back to the Shoeless Joe's podcast, soon to be the podcast heard around the world. We've got a great show lined up for you guys today, but first, a word from our sponsors. Let me guess what kind of insurance you got. Progressive? Huh? Liberty Biberty? Huh? The General? Get rid of all of those. Come to Geico. When you go to Geico and use the code word SHOELESSJOE, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Geico. So easy, a caveman could do it. Now back to the regularly scheduled program. Uh, hey guys, uh, definitely listen to that ad. So yeah, like I said, we got a great show lined up for you guys today. Last week, we focused a lot on the NBA and basketball, but this week we're going to sprinkle a couple more sports in there and maybe some sports that we've never really conquered on this podcast. But it's Isaiah and Mike. And like Isaiah said, we have a very good show lined up for you guys, very diverse, um, a bunch of different sports you want to get into, and a surprise guest that's a, f- a friend of the show that we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but for now, let's get into our first topic. Like, like Isaiah said, last week we were focused on the NBA as a whole, but this week we're focusing on one specific player. I feel like it's hard to talk NBA and not talk Damian Lillard and the way he's been carrying Mike's apparently new favorite team, the Portland Trailblazers. They're not my favorite team. Man. They are they are a quality basketball team with the help of first ballot Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony, the greatest player to ever live, who can beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, but obviously not the best player on the team currently. And that's why we're talking about this guy, Dame Lillard, who's been playing inspired basketball. I mean, it just seems like every shot has fallen for this guy and Everything he touches turns to gold. He's got the King Midas effect on this Blazers team. And uh, they got and locked up that eight seed that I thought Phoenix was going to get. But Mike predicted correctly that the Trail Blazers, his, again, favorite team, got. And uh, they'll be playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, who... I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've been uh, watching every Portland game on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like it's the New York Knickerbockers, but it's not. Um but those games have been great. And like Isaiah was just about to say, they have a big matchup with Portland that I know in prime time that I know everyone's going to be watching. Um, and so without further ado, really, Zay, what do you think about – is a Cinderella story going to continue? Or how do you see this first-round matchup going for the Portland Trail Blazers? I'm sure they'll have a lot of fun playing against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But um... – Listen, they, they are still the eighth seed, and the Lakers are definitely the number one seed for sure. So uh, I can't really give them as much credit for this Cinderella story where they've played close, game, close games with the Nets and the Grizzlies. Um, it's definitely been fun to watch a game, but I don't think they fare well against the Los Angeles Lakers. I'd say maybe five games they get. I don't know what I said last podcast, but uh, now I'm giving them five games after a close game with Memphis. And uh, I'm pretty confident in LeBron James getting the job done and uh, shutting up this Dame Lillard hype train. That- I don't know. I've heard I, I've heard a bunch of things about uh, my Portland Trailblazers have nobody oh, to guard. <laughs> have, no, have nobody to guard LeBron James. And to that, to that response, I have have you guys not seen the new and improved skinny Carmelo Anthony? Have you, have you not seen the guy hustling and, and working on defensive events to throw at LeBron James in year 17 as they're advertising it on Instagram about the two matching up? Um, uh, I All those questions about who's going to be guarding who, I think they're all fair points, but I, I think the real question is, is who is going to be guarding the man that we dedicated the segment to in Damian Lillard? Um, and... I was having this conversation with friend of the show, Brian Wallace, uh, earlier today. Hmm. And <laughs> and we, we and he, we were talking about, oh, like, what if Dame just goes for 40? How, how does the rest of the team fare? And it's not like it just – the thing is about this run is it's not like it's just Dame alone. Um, I think this team is getting healthy. I think if you look at the whatever the bubble effect it has, whatever G- Gary Trent's doing, 
Uh, I hope can continue. Um, and then you ha- you add in 20 from CJ, you add in 20 from Melo, you add in 15 from Nurkic. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. You're giving everyone way too many points. That's what they're averaging right now. Yeah, but they're not going to average that against the Los Angeles Lakers. The, La- the Lakers don't really have don't play have no defense clue. except for shot blocking. No, but I definitely they don't, do. They don't guard the three well at all. They haven't in the bubble. The um, whole season they haven't guarded the three well. No, they have they have been they have been getting beat. They have been getting beat. But I, I I mean even with all that, even with all that, where how far do you think they'll push the series? Do you think they'll win the series? You think the Portland Trailblazers will win the series? In your heart of hearts, gun to your head. Sorry, not trying to get too graphic, but gun <laughs> gun to your head. You gun have to, gun to your head. Gun to my head. I I say that I see. I can easily see this series going six or seven. Um, I do think the Lakers will win the series. Um, however, I will be rooting for the Portland Trailblazers for a plethora of reasons. <laughs> a plethora of reasons is all named Carmelo Anthony. All, Car- all named Carmelo Anthony and the ultimate evil plan where if somehow they lose, the Lakers lose in the first round, Anthony Davis decides to run across the country to Leon Rose. <laughs> but this, these are all very far-fetched ideas. Um, God, we're I'm saying, <laughs> please, Anthony. Um, but I do think that they can give them a run for their money just because there's only like two teams in the West who can really throw bodies at any of the Lakers' bigs because they have that trifecta of elite defensive bigs um, with Nurkic. Well, well, in the Lakers' case. Zach that Collins in that yeah, trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the Lakers. Three. Right. With the Lakers. I didn't say it was a big one. I said it. There was three of them. <laughs> it was a trifecta. For the, but for the Lakers with JaVale, Dwight, and AD um, being combated by Nurk, Whiteside, and Zach Collins, um, I think that it's a really interesting matchup because, as you said, like nobody nobody on that team can really guard LeBron James. And it really is going to come down to Melo, honestly. like That is the only person on their roster who meets the physical criteria to even stand in front of LeBron James with a basketball in his hand. Yeah. So I, I really see how Melo will take on this challenge. Um, I just think, like, it's interesting because both teams really don't play defense besides from the Lakers' shot blocking. Um, and I think in, like, a high-scoring, like, run-and-gun series, Portland is more fit than the Lakers are just because the Lakers have struggled to consistently score outside of AD and LeBron, and the Blazers have three or four players averaging over 20 a game. Um, I just think, I don't know. I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout kind of series, and I think that bodes better for Portland than it does for the Lakers. But I do think that – I was listening to Colin Cowherd earlier, and he made a great point just saying that the Lakers seem to be have just been on cruise control this entire bubble scenario and have a bunch of veterans who have been there and are just west rested and waiting for this moment. So I – do you, do you buy into that, or are you, are you skeptical of the Lakers at all go heading into this series? Um, I'm trying not to be skeptical, but the way the Trailblazers are playing, it's 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 difficult not to be. Um, I like I like the point you brought up about the trifecta bigs. Um, <laughs> however, um, I I think um, the most important of those bigs is um, Nurkic. I think he's the X factor going into the series against the Lakers because uh, as we've seen he can do it all there's been an influx of big men who can just do it all and you know acquire these triple doubles where it was never it hadn't been like this since Wilt Chamberlain and he was playing against uh, my stepfather so <laughs> so <laughs> shout, out Alex. <laughs> shout out Alex but things are not going like it's it's weird but I think since he's so multifaceted like it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers handle him and then um, league-leading shot blocker Hassan Whiteside standing right next to him. Um, So it's definitely going to be a challenge. But the thing is, not only with the Lakers and the Trailblazers, but I think in the West, like we, we know it's the better conference, obviously. And I feel like every series right now, especially with the lack of rhythm teams have from the bubble, it's anybody's it's the west is anybody's i feel like um i don't i don't know if luca and porzingis are ready yet but they're definitely going to give 
the Clippers some trouble. I mean, Luka Magic is still fresh in the air and will remain fresh in the air for his entire career, I believe. Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day who told me that Luka Doncic was going to be better than Larry Bird, and it made me angry at first, but I let it marinate, and I don't see how he can't be when he's this good in his second year. To think that you can only get better from whatever Luka is at an MVP in his second year is scary. But like I said, Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers, they could give any team a run for their money. If they beat the Lakers, who are the number one seeded team, like if, I don't think they will, but if they do, they'd still serve a problem for every other team. So I like how uh, I like how difficult the West is going to be this year. And I think that if LeBron James can surpass this entire Western Conference playoffs, I think it serves as more of a testament to his greatness. I agree. Um, just shout out to any of you guys listening down there in Dallas. Um, I know it's early in the game, but uh, it looks like you're going to have a long series ahead of you. Uh, sorry if you guys are watching that game on DVR or anything. Didn't mean to spoil it, but you guys are getting smoked right now. Um, I think, like, overall, like you said, though, I think, you know, they can weather this little run by the Clippers early here. Um, I think that <laughs> – any play-by-play live run. <laughs> they swing the ball to George who in the corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that Green Charles, <laughs> bang. Um, I think... <laughs> no, I do think that the West is really anybody's conference, just because outside of the Clippers, really, I think the Clippers are in many people's mind the favorite to come out of the West. Um, but I think like Portland is not your usual eight seed. Um, like you said, Luke, uh, the seven seed in Dallas, and like what Luke has done at such a young age is very impressive, and like the list just goes on and on with all these teams all of which with something to prove, um, which makes it very interesting to see how this season will unfold. Um, last week we talked about predictions. Do you still, do you still have the Clippers coming out of the West at this point? Um, based on what they're doing to uh, <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks right now and the slaughtering that's taking place in these first couple of minutes of the first quarter, uh, yeah, I got them taken. <laughs> also, they have finals MVP Kawhi Leonard from last year who I think is a monster and I think a lot of these guys are going to turn up during the playoffs so it's just going to be a lot of fun way more competitive basketball than we saw in the beginning of the bubble but uh Dame Lillard is going to make and bring the best out of the Lakers every night I'm sure I mean I think that for the Lakers though who have been on cruise control I think playing Dame in the first round will be a big kind of like litmus test to see where they are and where they're at come like with real games and intensity uh I think, like, if anything, if they don't beat them, they'll have them primed to make a run in the West just based on how far Portland will push them. Um, but with that being said, that's our basketball segment for today. Um, we're going to transition quickly to New York sports and specifically baseball um, and, the, and the New York Yankees. Um, a team who, for the last couple of years, have always expected to – we expect them to see them in October, right? Come World Series time, mm-hmm. and then the injuries just hit. And I don't know <laughs> what's going on in the Bronx right now, but whatever is going on needs to stop because every day uh, a key part of their lineup is just going down with injuries. Um, first we saw Stanton go down with I think a pulled hamstring, um, and then we see Judge with a calf strain, and now we have uh, arguably over the last two years the best hitter in baseball. One could argue. Um, and DJ LeMahieu, who's batting 411 this year before he gets hurt out mm. like two to three weeks with a sprained thumb. Um, but we're seeing a similar trend to what we saw last year with the Yankees when it's just next guy up, next guy up, next guy up, and just the depth that that team has to continue winning. Um, they're beating up on the Red Sox, who right now are kind of in a state of embarrassment considering they traded away, <laughs> what, the second or third best player in baseball for it looks like it for it nothing because they didn't want to pay. Highest paid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ridiculous. Um, but the Yankees are capitalizing and beating up on the Red Sox. What have you seen early in the season? And based on the injuries and, like, people stepping up, how what do you think this could mean for them in a shortened season? Uh, I definitely – I mean, I have faith in the Yankees, and they always tend to pull it out. But um, you brought up Stanton, and I just want to say, like, this is – as the time he's been as a Yankee, it's been common that Stan is getting hurt. 
And so um, I kind of feel bad for the guy, you know, facing all these injuries on this team that, you know, is poised to win the World Series almost every year. Um, but hopefully he can get back. Judge just reported that he was 100%. Um, but I'm definitely – I think it's definitely a luxury that we may take for granted that the Yankees have those guys to step up. It's just – for me, it's kind of, like, hard to wrap my, my mind around. Just because, like, the Yankees are just finding these people, like, in, like, other teams, like, AAA facilities and just finding them and, like, doing, like, I guess a bunch of, like, analytics work. It's crazy. Um, Because I think, like, a lot of what the Yankees are doing, like, analytics with, like, um, like, because, like, obviously, like, you have a batting average, right? But, like, they're not, that doesn't take into account, like, the times where you hit, like, line drives right at people, uh, stuff like that, like, spin rate off the bat. Like, they're calculating all these things and finding out, like, all right, like if a player can consistently generate these kind of velocities, like X, Y, and Z, whatever they're looking into, these small stats, um, it should project into them being a good hitter. And that's what they're doing with Gio Urshela, who before the Yankees was literally a defensive guy at third base for the Indians, um, mm-hmm. turned this guy into a 300 hitter and like, yeah. and like literally like tripled his career home run output in like two years with the Yankees so far. Um, Mike Talkman, who many people feel should be starting the outfield, batting over 300 this year. Um, Mike Ford playing first base, batting third. Mike Ford hit a, hit a um went crazy yesterday. Yeah, and like like where like where, like t- even Tyler Wade is stepping up and just being <laughs> having graded bats at second base. All right, it, it, drop. Let's drop that name. Let's drop that name that you're. Oh man, I didn't want to brag, but like oh yeah, the Red Rocket baby, the player that has <laughs> has been. I've never seen a player like on like a good team so scrutinized, even when not even being in the big leagues. Like everyone was always complaining about how the way he handled things and his defense and his maturity and all these things. Meanwhile, every time he gets called up to the major leagues, all this kid does is hit. Um, talking about Clint Frazier, who might have the quickest bat I've ever seen a human being swing. Um, I, it's just ridiculous. Like the knock on him has been his defense, and he's been working hard at that, but. There's one thing I know is that this man deserves a spot on the roster regularly if it's not a DH, and that's why like when they make when you make a trade for Stanton, I, I get it, but like it didn't make sense in a crowded outfield for the Yankees where Gardner was still a very productive player at that point. Hicks was coming into his own finally, like taking off as an MLB player. Judge is hot, and then you have like players like Clint Frazier in your in your organization that you're burying basically by like a ten year deal. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that it, it's crazy. It just goes to show the depth of the Yankees. And can you imagine how many other good players they just have buried in like AAA just because like of the depth on this roster? Um, but no, yeah, it's insane how many guys they have to step up into these roles. And like you said, Clint Frazier has not only stepped into this role, but you know he's he's making a case to keep it. He's for, for a long time. Yeah, he has been. And um, that's great. But on the contrary to, like, all the injuries they have been having, um, they did get a role as Chapman back today. Which is uh, huge. Yeah, I mean, very big. For the I th- no, I think, yeah, I agree. I think, like, the Yankees' bullpen has kind of struggled. It's like, it's like they haven't really played that many close games, really. And, like, the games that they have, like, they've just been giving up, like, garbage runs um, mm-hmm. with, in the back, in the, with the bullpen with, uh, Loizaga, Holder, uh, Michael King, uh, etc. But I think, like, in terms of, like, the back end of your bullpen with Adovino, um, Canely going down hurts a lot, obviously. But if you have Adovino, you move him up to the seventh. Then you bring – I mean, Holder's been pretty good. Then you bring um, Britton back to <laughs> – you bring Britton back to the eighth inning, and then you have Chapman in the ninth. I think you have a very – solid back end of your bullpen however like the real question for the Yankees will be and how far they'll go this year is really about who else is going to step up with Cole I think come playoff time you can pencil in Cole and Tanaka as you're going to get solid starts from them and you just have to figure out who's going to settle in and be that number three Paxton was really good in the playoffs last year and really settled in especially against Houston so hopefully he can do that again but early season has been questionable especially with Montgomery coming back from Tommy John um I I don't know. I, I hope that they can maintain this, especially through the injuries, and hopefully I – because I really don't know how many injuries more they can truly afford. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's really interesting because in a shortened season, all these games actually do matter. And surprise, with surprise Baltimore on their heels kind of, I, they can't even afford to drop a few games while the people uh, rest up. But – I don't know. Where do you think where do you think they go from here and will this hot streak continue? 
with despite the injuries? Um, I don't. I I feel like the hot streak will definitely continue because guys like Gary Sanchez and Gary Sanchez and uh, my boy Glaber Glaber De Torres are uh, really turning the corner right now and getting hot, and that's really um, what I was waiting on to see this entire season was if those guys, you know, would step it up and get back into their hot streaks. And so um, I'm excited for the Yankees right now. Uh, Like Aaron Judge coming back. um, The time for the time. Oh, geez. I forget his name. The time for um, Stanton to get back um, isn't that long. And they can definitely hold off for then. Um, I think they'll win a lot of games, but I'm really just focused on come playoff time who's gonna step up in that bullpen yeah as a Yankee fan it's kind of it's funny because with all the other sports teams that I root for I I cherish the regular season games um but with the Yankees they kind of just feel like a formality and you're just waiting for the next thing and I guess that's kind of the uh the lucky thing of being a Yankee fan I just wish that they would spread some of that winning culture to, to the other teams in New York because they cur- a lot of them currently need them. Um, and that's a perfect segue to our next topic, which is we see training camps opening up across the country. <laughs> we see teams in hotels. We see team players trying to sneak team players into team hotels. We see the same players doing that, no longer being on their teams. Um, just interesting as the NFL tries to figure out what to do next. We don't like they're doing team bubbles, but will they do an ultimate bubble for the entire league? A lot of questions to be answered. We know there's no preseason, but football is in the air and we're getting excited. A little pessimistic. Not sure if it'll actually get done, but if it were to get done, we're very excited for a a nice season for both New York sports teams. Um, When I say nice season, I mean that they'll get to play. I don't know how many (laughs) wins that they will. They will get to throw the football around. (laughs) They'll get to They'll get they'll get to be in the dance, but uh, <laughs> how many moves they have, I don't know. Um, well, listen, your guy Le'Veon Bell has been talking a lot, a and lot I, of heat as of recent. I, I don't know. He's becoming the leader that Jamal Adams <laughs> thought he was, and uh, no, but for real though, I wow, think faked he was. <laughs> I just think I, the Le'Veon Bell's time with the Jets got off to such a rough start. Um, coming off that was he was coming off his um. His holdout, right, with Pittsburgh? He didn't play the year before. Yeah, the right? whole year, yeah. Set up. All right, so he was out of shape. And no matter how hard you work, you're not ready for NFL games regardless uh, if you haven't played in a year. So I think getting him back into that, knowing, realizing where he was last year, getting back into shape and being in the best shape of his career, he says, um, could be very promising for the Jets offense. Uh, it'll be very interesting because a lot of the issues, people weren't even harping on Le'Veon Bell's condition last year. It was more about, how he was used and utilized by Adam Gase. And it'll be very interesting to see how that continues, especially with them drafting a running back and they bring in Frank Gore, who people know Adam Gase loves. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he's utilized. And I hope that nothing nothing Jamal-esque stems from <laughs> Adam Gase's use of him. Um, but overall, like the point of this segment right here, we're just going to give our, like what we would love to see not like wins or losses, but like what we would love to see from our respective teams in this unique season that we're about to kick off. Um, So what do you want to see from the Giants? No, I definitely want to see Andrew Thomas hold down that line, you know, and I want to see what, (laughs) I want to see what Daniel Jones can do when Jamal Adams is not running at his neck, uh, gunning for that ball, Uh, which I'm very excited for. I'm very excited for the receiving core, for most people being healthy right now. Um, the Sterling Shepard, um, Evan Ingram. I, I'm I'm really excited for that. I, I just I just want to see football in general, um, regardless of the Giants. But um if Saquon can keep his numbers great, if he benefits from Andrew Thomas being on the line, and if Daniel Jones can break into the budding star, I pray every single night he becomes so that people don't throw Sam Darnold in my face. <laughs> what do you, what do you want to see from Daniel Jones this year in the second year, but also what do you want to see from first year coach Joe judge? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well reports from uh, the practices today were that uh, judge was moving everything fast paced. He was, uh, you know, all the other coaches were getting at the players, yelling at the players. 
um, just hyping everybody up and getting ready to like, you know, play this rough sport we call football, uh, football, Amer- American football. Right, right. <laughs> and so, um, I just, I mean, JoJo's being a special teams guy, which I've also had thrown in my face, <laughs> is um, annoying, but I, I like when guys, uh, similar to the Knicks, I like when guys come into teams, you know, not just looking for a job, but like with plans. And when they say, you know, they want to bring franchises back to where they once were. So um, there's definitely a lot of lust that I'm going through having a first year coach, um, which I hope is not met with disappointment. Uh, but before they throw Adam Gase out of there and ruin the rest of Sam Darnold's career, uh, what are you expecting from the Jets? Uh, I don't know. Um, already we're looking at the wide receiver core, which is already a hole coming into the season, and we're seeing that <laughs> the the man who I think could be the next Julio Jones, Denzel Mims, is a uh... oh my god! All right, a, a man can dream. You go enjoy your Joe Judge. I'll watch Denzel Mims highlights. All right. Yeah, go watch Joe Judge highlights. Uh, just keep talking about Denzel. <laughs> and uh, coming to training camp, he already uh, has a hamstring issue very early into camp and then someone on Twitter who I promptly unfollowed said, uh, <laughs> uh, this reminds me so much of Devin Smith. And I said, Devin Smith, never say that name in my on my Twitter feed again. Cause that'd be, for you guys who don't know, Devin Smith jets a few, I don't know how many years ago, second round pick was supposed to be the next Deshaun Jackson out of Ohio state <laughs> tears ACL instantly when touching turf. Um, but I really, and then uh, besides that, Vincent Smith, who was a real, who's really coming on strong at the end of last year and a big part of their return game finds himself out for five to eight weeks with a core muscle issue. I don't know what that means, but it does not, <laughs> anything that has core in it and injury cannot be, cannot be good for a football player. Sounds like um, an important muscle. Yeah. It sounds like the, the core of all the muscles. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I want to see continued success and a continued connection between Darnold and Gase, um, as we know, last year, the Jets were above 500 when Darnold was healthy. Um, and maybe, I, I don't know if that is something that can continue over or is a real trend to follow. But I really hope it is because otherwise it's going to be a long year. Um, I think having Le'Veon in top shape, having a backup he trusts in Frank Gore um, will be useful. I think that Denzel gives them a, a jump ball playmaker that they lacked previously. If Crowder can stay healthy, we saw that he had a rapport with Darnold. And I just want to see like a competent offense. I want to see, most importantly, I want to see an offensive line that gives Sam Darnold the chance to make plays and stay in the pocket and make go through reads. Um, I think that really hurts his development when he's not, he's not even getting a chance to go through his progressions as a quarterback. He literally drops back and there's people running at him. And that's why every single one of his highlights is him making a fantastic throw on the run. Um, but like in the NFL, like th- those are not the throw, the, like doing that to your quarterback over and over again, is not going to win you a series. I mean, not going to win you, not a series, a game or a championship or anything. It's not going to win you diddly squat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but, it definitely will. And I think it says a lot about, um, where football has gotten that we're only talking about the offenses right now. Um, right. but I feel like with the New York football giants, that's really all I can talk about. Um, I'm definitely excited for Blake Martinez, I guess, and Xavier McKinney to see what they can uh, get out of the defense and how well they produce um, with uh, Martinez as a free agent signing and then uh, the rookie Xavier McKinney. But I think, um, no, I mean, I, I like you said about the offense and the defenses, I both teams have invested so much draft capital recently in their offenses that that's the main thing we're going to watch. Like, the Jets have invested in Sam Darnold, Makai Becton, other pieces along that line, and gave Le'Veon Bell one of the richest running back contracts ever. Um, and for the Giants, we're looking at drafting Saqu- a running back second, drafting Daniel Jones, what, sixth? Yeah. Uh, taking Andrew Thomas at four this year. So all these teams have been investing into their, into their offenses. Um, the Jets are in a little bit different of a position than the Giants defensively. Hmm. Um, just because the Jets are coming, obviously they traded away Jamal and we'll see what kind of impact that has as we see Ashton Davis making 
backflip catches oh my on God. God. I've done I've done that before on a on a trampoline. On a, tra- on a trampoline, of course, but he's oh, seen the video. <laughs> he's a different <laughs> he's not the same as you. Um <laughs> for obvious reasons if you guys know who Ashton Davis is. He wears um, a helmet. <laughs> and no trampoline. Major um, difference. But uh I think that we saw a top 10, maybe if not top 10, top 15 defense on display from Greg Williams last year, even with Mosley missing. Um, and hopefully they can do something with that and, and repeat that. Um, hopefully Quinn Williams, who's in better shape and now does not have braces like an adult, uh, <laughs> is ready to play football for real this year. Also, um, word is in training camp. He's um, the greatest defensive tackle who ever lived. I think. Or Makai Becton is seven foot seven. <laughs> it's, it's him and John Randall, I think. <laughs> and can hit the bros out of a barn. Um, <laughs> he's the best hundred percent. Um, couldn't hit a strike. He's falling out of water. Oh, yeah. and that's three strikes. You're out. <laughs> and, uh, the baseball segment's over, Isaiah. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, no, it's really be interesting uh, to see. Strike. <laughs> Unprecedented <laughs> amount of strikes given. Um, it'll be just really interesting to see where both teams go. I do think that both teams have brutal schedules, so it really might not matter how well they play. They might just be playing against better people uh, repeatedly, and that would be kind of well tragic, frankly, um, considering that how the winning has gone in New York the last couple of years. Um, but. Speaking of teams being beat down, uh, we have a, a nice segue for you guys. We're bringing on a special, special guest, a friend of the program, a man who, what was it, two weeks ago was, was filling in for while Isaiah was on vacation, um, bringing him for UFC and a little bit of... I tried to uh, hijack the podcast. He's not hijacking. Just... I tried to steal my place. <laughs> and uh, secondly, later on, we got some... Football, not American football. No. Soccer. But football with a U. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some kind of uh, grammar technique I don't know how to use. Um, but without further ado, Mr. Brian Wallace. Oh, hello. Hello. Wow. A clap. Undeserved. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely undeserved, but I felt necessary. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure anytime, every time. How are things going lately? How's life? Uh, eh, we don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get to what we really brought you here for. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, we're going to talk some UFC. This mm-hmm. is uh, uh, the sport that I pointed at that we haven't tackled yet on this podcast, but um, we definitely want to get into. And so we brought our expert on all things Ultimate yes. Fighting Championship. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Brian Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> And um, he's here to give you his thoughts on um, the latest card, UFC 252. Well, uh, yeah, uh, it was a, it was an interesting card. Uh, I would start with the co-main event was a uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. He got a uh, he, he got dumped some water on him. I don't know, got diluted, whatever you want to say. <laughs> uh, you know, he he started out against uh, Cheeto Vera. Uh, so, something happened. His his leg gave out, and then uh, you know. Then he got pounced on. Yes, he did. He got, elbow, he got an elbow scary. to the forehead and uh, he had to be carted out. So, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> that that's the thing with the UFC. Guys who are, you know, have massive sort of followings or hype, if you can sit, call it hype, uh, you know, sometimes they run into a fist and that's it. <laughs> but, or an elbow. For his first loss. Um, he was it definitely, definitely on his, definitely on his hot, no, definitely on a hot streak, um, and there was definitely a hype train building, especially when he started um, coloring his hair and creating yeah. this sugar Sean O'Malley character. I mean, the hype really, the, the, the interestingly enough, the hype really skyrocketed. He broke his foot in another fight, yeah. and then he actually won that fight. And then at the end, he screamed like, "I love you, Joe Rogan," and that really exploded him. And Joe's like, "I love you too, buddy," but like. Yeah, he speaking of Midas touch, that guy Joe Rogan, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he, he, he the career. Yeah, um, he, he called me to be on the pod the other day and I said I can't, man. After a court shoe Joe, so yeah, you, Joey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wish, we could, <laughs> wish we could mute his mic. <laughs> now we get to the main event. Yes, sir. Heavyweight. Um historically great fighter, Daniel Cormier against one of the greatest strikers we've ever seen in Ultimate Fighting Championship, and Stipe Miocic. Um, 
this fight was uh, a little sad to watch with Cormier deciding to retire at the end. And um, Miocic won mm-hmm. and decision in five rounds. And I think uh, the poke in the eye was one of the most um, brutal and um, scariest things I've ever seen on live TV. I mean, when you're watching a sport where guys just hit each other in the face, sure, it happens. And I haven't been watching UFC for a long time, so I've never seen, you know, like the Aldo snapping his, snapping his, um, his shin, um, you know, live. But uh, mm-hmm. this I saw live, and then watching Cormier afterwards, you know, uh, talking about his eye and talking about how he couldn't see the last two rounds. Uh, do you think that had any effect on it, or do you think this outcome would have occurred regardless well it definitely had an effect on it i mean but the the interesting thing was coming into that fight stipe got poked in the second fight Mm. and uh, he actually needed to have eye surgery this is what one of the things that delayed the fight and uh even i think it was a first or second round daniel poked him and then you know there was a big stoppage daniel was saying he's sorry and all this stuff It, it happens a lot more that and groin strikes happen a lot in the ufc and they don't really have a way to combat it when they're fighting. But yeah, uh, I don't know. He he got rocked at the end of the second and uh, he, he kind of survived going into the third and that's when he got poked. But it was an FBI poke at the end of the third round. And uh, he, he had lost that round as well. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it was interesting because he didn't he wasn't seeming to make the adjustments because uh, Daniel's the wrestler, right? Yeah. But when he would go into these uh, clinches, uh, Stipe would just go double underhooks and just tie him up, push him to the fence, and there, he really he couldn't get out, get out of it. So I don't know if if he can't see, would he have made that adjustment? You know what, what happens when you literally cannot see out of your eye? I don't know. That changes the whole game plan. But yeah, as one of the best grapplers and wrestlers of all time, I mean, you can only assume he would have made the adjustments. Uh, regardless, yeah, I don't know. But Stipe is a great a great guy and um you know everyone loves daniel cormier because he's like he's just the he seems like a chill dude he commentates he's fun he's you know laughing all that stuff but stipe is also a firefighter like he these are just they're like the greatest dudes ever and they also can kill you and like at any point so it's it's really incredible but yeah now yeah it's cool it's cool that it's also cool that you can follow these guys lives outside and how involved daniel cormier is i'm sure he'll remain involved and he's a great friend of Joe Rogan as well. Mike, you want to say something about Joe Rogan again? <laughs> no, just thank you for the invitation to be on the show. Another one. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, also um, a name that's always been brought up with Daniel Cormier, um, where um wasn't really a competition. Uh, however, their names have been linked over the past couple of years. Uh, when we talk about arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time, John Bones Jones. Yes, sir. Vacated his title today. Right. Um, that he's held for uh, 10 years undefeated. And uh, the guy is thinking about going into heavyweight. Um, it's it's scary what he's capable of and what he's been capable of. And um, I think a guy who's that, that confident in himself, um, I have no reason to doubt him. And it makes for a great story. Uh, what do you think about John Jones transitioning into a higher weight? Uh, I have reason to doubt him. John Jones is a, a great, great fighter, like top five all time, but youngest ever champion as well. But those heavyweights hit different, man. Like, I don't know if you were seeing some of the fights where, where you saw Stipe eat that right hand from Daniel. Like, you eat a right hand from a 240-pound man, and you just oh, walk through it. It's going to hurt anyone like, regardless. Yeah, but Stipe is eating that. And I don't know how John Jones, how he goes up to heavyweight and deals with it. I think Stipe is a really interesting fight for him because Stipe isn't – he has definitely he has power in his hands, but he's not the biggest of punchers. And fast. John likes to wrestle as well. So it would be – John can wrestle. He's, he's a great wrestler. He doesn't mm-hmm. always use it because of – his reach advantage which he still has on stipe he's just he's he's freakishly gifted but i think stipe would be an interesting fight for him i don't know about in the engano fight because john at light heavyweight uh, one thing that's underrated about him is his chin i'm sorry my phone uh that was rogan hitting me up uh the, <laughs> one thing about uh john jones is he takes some some blows on his shin that last fight that he took against uh, Dominic Reyes, which was his closest fight, and I had to shoot him out because Dominic Reyes is Stony Brook alum, but uh, <laughs> he would take some punches and he would he would just keep going. 
I don't know if he does that against Francis Ngannou. I don't know if he does that against Rosenstreich, who is uh, on this 252 card as well. So the heavyweight division is interesting, especially if John Jones wants to get in there. But he's arguing about his contract. And how the way UFC contracts work is if you're not in the title fight, you're not getting paid the same amount of money, especially if you're not the champion. No. So I don't know how vacating the title impacts him if he wants to go up there and then fight. Because he, he's talking oh. all about the money. Right. And then you're going to go up and wait to fight uh, even scarier dudes. I I don't know. I think it's a lot of talk from John Jones, and I I have to see it to believe it, personally. Not yet. There's, I mean, when you can be as freakishly gifted as you want, but there, uh, he's not the only guy, and there are other guys built exactly. like gorillas, freakishly you know? gifted and just bigger. Yeah, that, I yeah. think that's what we saw with Stipe and, and Daniel Cormier. Like, oh yeah, for just, sure. The man, like Daniel Jones, what Daniel Jones? Daniel Cormier is five eleven. Yeah, he's built. He's built too, but he can't <laughs> handle those blows from Daniel Cormier the way Stipe was eating them. Like it, helmet on. I don't know, but again, but John Jones is lar- is a big person himself, so it'll be it will it would be great TV. But I would have loved it for him to take the trophy, the trophy, the title, and go up there and try to make it a do a double champ type thing, but. I don't know. He's on his own path. He's fighting with UFC for money, and I don't think it'll happen, but we'll see. Um, I think on name alone um, is what he's trying to go off of. Um, I mean, he's a big draw, but then again, UFC um, isn't is as big as it's ever been, but it can't really compete with these other sports. But um, uh, John Jones, I think, I don't know. I I just feel like he's so gifted as an athlete for him to want to go up and uh, face that and take on that new challenge. Um, I definitely think guys like Ngano are scary, but I I think it'd be great to see for fighting sports how he adapts to it. Listen, uh, I don't know how many people... If you Just look at Francis Ngano and what he has done <laughs> yeah. to humans for the past five years. The man was like digging sand at age six, just shoveling <laughs> sand over his shoulder, and he looks like a Greek god. I'm I'm taking him. He's his his wrestling has has advanced and improved. So uh, those are the type of fights that I don't know if John Jones can handle that, and I would love to see it. So, no, I I think yeah, I think this is fu- this is fun. I think we should do way more UFC. I have I have a question. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> as a as a fan of UFC, and I'm and when I say UFC, I mean the video game. Um, who is push the move on the title? Who is your who is your favorite UFC fighter currently? Um, just out of curiosity. Is that to Isaiah or to me? That's to everybody. Both of us. To everyone. <laughs> to Joe Rogan as well, who we've got on the podcast, <laughs> and to my to my friend in Ireland listening. What about you? Um. <laughs> My favorite fight. Um, ah, uh, that's interesting. Uh, first thing that is coming to my mind is is Israel Adesanya. Um, but uh, I also just because <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's Mac Holloway. Mac <laughs> West Holloway. He's just he's super dope. He's the chillest dude. But then he's also like has that warrior type spirit. But yeah, Adesanya his his the last style bender, and I love Avatar. So there's just that. But I don't know. People tend to love the strikers and. Why? Why do you like is Israel, sir? Is the Africa um, across his chest? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I saw him on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he really <laughs> captivated my attention. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I think. No, I think. Uh, like obviously, I think that he has a very unique fighting style. Um, and it's a, like literally in his name, obviously Stylebender, but just the unique way in which he fights. Um, I think that he knows his strengths and plays to it. Um, like people. Um. Had a lot to say against when he fought against Yoel Romero, um, and how that fight went out, and how he's being passive. But he he was playing smart. He was playing to his strengths. He knew that Romero wasn't really looking to push forward and attack, and he capitalized. Um, and I think that another like outside of his fighting ability, I think one thing that really catches my attention is just like his confidence, but also his charisma, um, his persona in and out of the ring, just the confidence he exudes, um, and backing it up with his amazing talent and athleticism i think it makes him very exciting to watch and like as we said like ufc might not be the biggest sport right now but he's a rising young star 
in that sport um, and will continue to get better. And I think that that is for me why I'm a fan of style. Well, he is an outstanding fighter and uh, UFC got kept sports, uh, not kept. They were the only sport for a little while. And I think they definitely influenced some of these sports and being the ones to like say, we're going to do it. We're going to have it. But if you like Israel Anasani, he's fighting probably his biggest test in uh, September against uh, Paulo Costa, who is a massive human being who is, who is going to uh, people talking about uh, Yoel being passive. That's not going to be passive. That is going to be a bull and a matador. And we'll see if Israel can handle that. Oh, no. Uh, Diego Costa has got shoulders on top of his shoulders. That guy's <laughs> scary. That guy is scary. A That's lot of these be guys a fight. are scary to look at. Your yeah. Romero is scary to look at. Insane. 45 years old? I don't know what they injected him in. <laughs> He's Cuba, not but... 45 years old. He's 63. <laughs> the papers were lost from Cuba to America. Let's be honest. <laughs> but if I may answer the question. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like I have two names for that. I like... Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Diamond Dustin Poirier. Um, I think he's just fun to watch, and I like his story. And um, a comedian I like is, like, best friends with him. So I think it's cool. I feel, like, a little closer to him. Theo Vaughn? Oh, yeah! Theo Vaughn. Shout out Theo Vaughn. The prince? Oh, I guess he's... uh, DC calls him the prince of Louisiana, but I guess he's uh, the king now because DC retired, so... Oh, yeah, he's LSD. Shout oh, out, man. shout out Dustin Poirier. He, he's uh that that uh was that lightweight division, super interesting division as well. Right. And that Habib and Gaethje fight. Mm. Fantastic. So I mean, the UFC at like just tune in and watch some of these fights. There it's super, super interesting, especially these the headline the headline fights that they come up with. Just you know, <laughs> find find an illegal stream, watch it. You won't be disappointed. Who made you an advocate for the UFC? I'm not. I'm just here to uh, sh- share the the vi- love of violence that I that I think we all should. Enjoy. Um, another name I wanted to throw in there, the love of violence. This guy, <laughs> take this guy off the mic. Um, <laughs> another 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 name I wanted to throw in there was um Kamaru Usman. Uh, we have we haven't seen a Nigerian of the likes of him since Christian Okoye. Israel Adesanya. But um. Now, Kamaru's man is just, he's just on fire right now. And he's arguably pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world who's fought recently. Um, and I think he's just so tactical in his approach to the game and another physical specimen, which all these guys are. Yes, sir. But no, um, some of them are different. Paula Costa, freaking <laughs> Francis Ngannou, Yoel. Those are different breeds. It's not humans. fair that humans like that. Are Those built. are hybrid gorillas. I'm sorry. There's, there's, a, there's, something, there's something different. Man. It's, it's, it's so interesting, though, because, like, you see people like Yoel Romero and Paul Acosta, et cetera, and then you see, like, Israel Adesanya build, like, a toothpick walk in there and just knock people. Even John Jones, skinniest legs in the world. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. So, like, I just think, like, it'll be very interesting when that fight comes around just to see how he maneuvers the – the strength advantage, um, he obviously has the agility component um, up his sleeve. And I think, like, because he has so many, like, different styles of fighting, like, in his repertoire, like, I just, it's going to be so interesting to see, like, the the sneaky combos he has and, like, the sneaky counters that he has ready for that fight. Because if he doesn't get some pretty solid shots in on Lacosta early, I, it could be, it could really be his downfall in that mm-hmm. fight. He has over 80, like, I think it's over 80 kickboxing fights. So the dude knows how to operate stand-up fights. And he has a, he comes from a camp with, who has another world champion, which is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. So they're going to have combos. They're going to have combinations. They're going to have, I think one of the, uh, one of the things is they, they have code names. They were screaming dragon during the last Max Holloway fight. Like they have all that stuff locked and coded. But at the end of the day, he has to play with fire of the massive human being that is Paula Costa. And they hate each other. They've been screaming at each other for the last six months so it's going to be a great fight can't wait is there anywhere else we have with UFC any any final remarks Mr. Uh, that's Mr. all I got I, I like I like Brian Wallace shouting out uh, anyone who listens to this paying attention to UFC it's definitely fun combat sports uh, though brutal though they uh, they reach that animal animalistic uh part of us that we don't really want to show often um i think they're fun and i think 
personally the truest form of sport it's just <laughs> they're they're definitely yeah. fun and uh there's the animalistic side but there is a beautiful side uh when you get into when you get into stuff like you can have the same feeling when you see like a coach draw up a brilliant play where you know the guy cuts and comes around and he's wide over for three you're like that's great you can you can get the same thing when you see someone transition on the ground and forget how did he get his arm from there to his leg to his head it is it's it's great stuff just start watching it you'll see makes a great point i think i think with every sport once you start watching it more and more and you understand like the game within the game and you think it as you watch it i think it makes it way more engaging because even in those boring fights there's Except so much for hockey Hockey's <laughs> great man it's soccer on ice i just can't oh, i don't want this it. guy on the pod <laughs> don't worry it's like that no. one announcer i don't know what his name is but he just screams shot all the time and i love it <laughs> shot on <laughs> shot i don't know why and the islanders are cooking up that's a different that's a, that's oh, a different definitely taking on the capitals yeah it's a different pod. Um, we don't have Jack on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? The stadium's like a we don't know from it our takes. house. That doesn't mean I know the stadium's <laughs> down the block, but I don't know anything that happens within the stadium. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's our UFC segment. And then as we allude to, we're going to make a transition to our final segment, some football with a U. Go, 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 go. But yeah, we're going to transition into our final topic. And specifically, we have two things for you. So we got a little bit of our what we've seen so far in the Champions League, what we expect of the semifinals moving and going forward. And then a hot topic that's been on all over Twitter. We I don't know how much truth there is to that. We'll get into it in a little bit. But there's rumors rumbling that Messi's not happy at Barcelona. And I know that those two names are always linked together. And like salt and pepper, one could say. Um, but who who knows what the what the future holds for Messi at Barcelona? Five for five. Yeah, man. Add <laughs> a thousand. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but we'll get right into it with the Champions League, uh, specifically the semifinals that just passed. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts have been? I know there's been a lot of upsets. A very unique year in the Champions League. What have you seen so far? Uh, I mean, it was definitely interesting coming out and seeing. And eight two. We got to talk about that first. Just the absolute destruction of Barcelona at the hands of Bayern Munich. That was super interesting. I mean, I think that I've been saying for a long time they've been teetering, but I didn't think it would all come crashing down that badly. But uh, yeah, and then uh, City, of course, losing to Leon. Uh, I've I've ha- had a heated discussion about uh, Pep Guardiola and how he keeps choking in the Champions League and how that somehow isn't his fault i think he got his tactics wrong that game and i think he's got his tactics wrong a lot over the course of, of the last four or five years in the champions league in this competition and then uh psg going through they're they're there this is what they've spent literally billions of dollars trying to get to to get near to the the trophy of the champions league and that'll be interesting and then rb leipzig which is a team that was formed i think it's 10 years ago made their way all the way through using money from our red bull like yes that red bull that's their team that's what the rb stands for but they're they have a great attacking team they have a lot of players that make a fun a, the game really fun and they beat atletico madrid who beat liverpool who's my team and so <laughs> as i'm happy so i don't know but yeah going into the semis uh i'm interested obviously the big favorites are Bayern and, and paris and uh, I've, I think Bayern are going to be rolling after that. So I would, if I if I had to guess, I would say they're going to win it, especially with uh, Lewandowski. But um, yeah. No, I agree. He's, uh, turning up. No, I agree. I think it's really been an interesting year. Um, obviously, just because first of all, with the Champions League even being pushed back um, to late August, um, with due to coronavirus, um, but getting that back and underway, which is fantastic for soccer fans. Um, we look at PSG. Uh, it, it, a lot of people criticize Neymar's move to um, PSG just because of like the money and leaving that great situation in Barcelona to go to PSG. Um, but I think winning a Champions League really justifies that move. Um, and it really means a lot, especially for Neymar's legacy and K- Kylian Mbappe, young upcoming player, who having a Champions League title on his resume so young could mean a lot for how we speak about him down the road. Um, like you touched upon, Leipzig, Leipzig. With an impressive win against Atletico, um, especially with 
their star striker Timo Werner no longer there, moving to Chelsea. People thought that game was going to be uh, a win for Atletico, but Leipzig pulled it out. Um, same thing with, with Leon. Um, people really had penciled Man City all the way into the semis <laughs> once they saw their draw, and to come up short again for Pep is really not not great. Um, it's like obviously like Brian touched upon his tactics are questionable. Um, we see Raheem Sterling. Literally just a horrendous mess. Take a tap in and put it into row Z. Um, don't know <laughs> how he did it. Uh, but that was a, a tragic defeat for, for City, who could be on the, the radar of a, a player that, Brian, we touched about a little bit ago, Lionel Messi and that horrible loss at Barcelona. And now reports are coming out that he might not be happy at Barcelona. He's People, multiple sources have come out saying yesterday that he's basically saying either the board leaves or I leave. Um, I don't know how much weight to give all these things that are being said. I don't know if he'll actually make the move. And I don't know where he'd go. But I think that hearing that a staple of soccer, Barcelona and Messi, uh, might be on a road to a divorce is very interesting news. Uh, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Well, I it's always been interesting to me. Messi's position in Barcelona. I, I've never thought, I've never really can, thought he was going to leave. We've heard this, that he's going to leave. He only signs one-year contracts um, for the past couple of years, pretty much, to keep the option open, quote-unquote. But I think it's just a power thing. I, I don't think he's going to leave because I don't think, I, I don't want to say he doesn't want the pressure, but I don't think he wants to leave the situation where he can never do wrong. Like, no matter what happens, he's Leo Messi, it's somebody else's fault. And where does he, I don't see where he goes, where a team is going to have to change the way they play and then pay him the, the the amount of money, like paid for the highest paid player in the sport. Like, where does he go and do that? And he's 33 years old. It's it's a lot for me to see him leave. But I would love to see it. I, I've that, My knock on him has always been, I want to see you do it somewhere else where where you aren't the golden child, where you aren't, prove it to me when, when you have the pressure on of you came here, do it somewhere else. I'm 99% sure he could do it, but I just want to see him do it. I would love to see him. I don't think it's going to happen though. I think they will fire the board before they, before they get rid of him, which kind of shows the position he is in at the club. I agree. And I think like we talked about this off pod, but kind of just how he doesn't like when things go wrong at Barcelona, you made this point that when things go wrong at Barcelona, it's kind of his, it's not his fault, but when, Things go well, he gets all the praise. Yep. Um, and I think, like, we saw, like, Ronaldo, where he leaves Madrid and he goes to Juve, and they're not winning. And it's kind of like, why did you why did you make that move kind of thing? Um, and, like, that second-guessing is always going to be tough, especially when you leave such a, like, a historic club. Um, but I do think, like, depending on where he goes, I would argue he's would be around a better supporting cast than he is right now at Barca. And, like, for me as a fan, like, I don't know how much the Pep rumors and Man City is a real possibility or even a real thing, but as a fan, that's something that I would love to see, um, especially with the Premier League being one of the most competitive leagues, if not the most competitive league in the world, and coming up against high-quality competition all the time um, with a better supporting cast, with Ar- with Kevin De Bruyne, arguably the best midfielder in the world, um, with his countryman Aguero, Sterling. Um, I think that that bodes could bode well for a move, especially because it takes a lot of pressure off him where at Barcelona, it's a lot of young and up and coming players surrounded by the older legends kind of fading to the background um, and just trying to blend the two. And I think that city is more in that win now kind of stage where it just needs a piece. And like, I think when you can centerpiece your attack around De Bruyne and Messi, um, it could be a lethal combination. I just don't know how feasible it is. What would you think of a move like that? Uh, selfishly as a Liverpool fan, I don't want to see him in the league. But <laughs> no, um, realistically, Pep usually plays a high pressure, everyone has to come in, everyone has to run kind of style. So how would that fit in with an aging Messi? Right. Where he, for the past few years, he hasn't been the one pressing, running all over the pitch. It's been everyone do the work, get the ball to Messi, and hope that he does something. That That's not a good strategy. So it would be really interesting to see how he fares in that system. But are they going to pay forty million for him? He's coming off a season where he scored twenty five goals, and that's still that's a good number. That's a great number, but not for him. 
and he's 33. So are you going to pay him the most money in the world? Are you going to have to pay a fee to get him out of there? It, to me, that's a lot to offer to Man City, who, who, if you are Pep or you're not, if you're Pep, if you're one of the higher ups on the board, are you going to pay that money when you can say, well, Sterling just missed an open, like he just missed from two yards out and we would have tied the game. So like, it's, it's really interesting, especially with, you know, they probably need help at the back as well, but city's pockets are infinite. So that would, that would answer a lot of questions for me with Messi though, that if he would come to Premier League, cause I've always said, I've always, you know, with him being in La Liga, okay, you have to beat Madrid. I get it. But that's it. It's a one league team. Everything else you're supposed to win, you know, the Copa, the, the other cups are pretty, pretty much it. And the Champions League, he's been, you know, Barcelona has been up and down. So I would love to see what he does in the Premier League. I just don't think it'll happen. I think like, I don't know. I feel like with this move, if he decides to do anything, we're going to find out a lot about Messi and where his priorities are this late in his career. Um, if he makes that kind of move, it's clear that he wants to win more, win more Champions Leagues, add that to his resume. Um, and if he stays put at Barca and just stays through a more mediocre stretch of their history, um, it, it kind of like to get ready for that MLS retirement tour as the, the European legends love to take. Um, wouldn't mind seeing him at NYCFC with his <laughs> former former uh, partner, uh, David Villa. But I don't think he'll ever come here. He might go back to Argentina before he does that. I don't know. I, I love a player st- as a Liverpool fan. I love Steven Gerrard sticking through, staying with the club the whole time. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to like say that's wrong, but I do think when you have been there since you've always won kind of thing, I think it's a lot easier to stay as opposed to when you're losing. So right. you kind of jump ship now, the minute like they don't, not the minute because they've been kind of teetering for a couple years, but is he going to jump ship when they're going through a rough time and he's at the end of his career? I don't know. It'll be really interesting. And the plan was, it seemed like the plan was always to get Neymar back in there. So what is going to happen? Maybe if Neymar wants to move now, that could be something that saves. I don't know. There's a lot to happen. And he, you know, saying he wants to leave, he's retired from Argentina like twice already and went back to play. So uh, his word is, his word, I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't think he'll stay in. I don't think he'll go anywhere. But uh, yeah, he doesn't want that smoke, man. He ain't Ronaldo. Um, if I could interject, interject. Real quick. Um, so, uh, Messi being like homegrown, right? Yes, sir. In Barcelona, um, there's no, there's no like, there's no sh- like stressors on him, like in leaving. Like he can leave whenever he wants, and he wouldn't face, um, you know, a crowd or a fan base like uh, a Kevin Durant would. I don't know much about soccer. And like, so uh, I mean, they they would definitely be hurt, but I think just the only the, the Barcelona, Barcelona fans. fans would be hurt. But I think Messi has gone global. I think it would kind of be like LeBron going to Miami. Right. Like some people are gonna hate it, but he's kind of the greatest player ever. And if he wants to leave, he's kind of can leave. And it's different because he's at the end of the career. Everyone else around him seems to be kind of just falling off a cliff. So that I think he would get a lot of bail to go and do it. But uh, yeah, the Barcelona fans would wouldn't. They would. I think they would be more shocked than anything that Lionel's actually leaving. But we'll see. I don't think he's leaving. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like one of those situations where I feel like the when you're a legend at some place for so long, you just get like kind of taken for granted in a way, like of how great you really are and what life is like before that player. Like, I know, like as a Yankee fan, like similar, like there was talks at, at one point, like the early two thousand uh, twenty tens, about like maybe Jeter would want to go somewhere else to finish a career and like just hearing things like that. And like, we've seen like what, what happened with Brady and the Patriots, like those moves are not always well received, but I feel like once you've given so much to a organization or a team, I feel like, I feel like if you won in so much that like, there's nothing they can really say kind of thing. Like, it's not like we're like a LeBron leaving Cleveland where like he didn't deliver and he left kind of thing. Right. And then he comes back, of course, but like, it's kind of like where like you've won so much, you've made this team, you are the reason that this team has been so great for over a decade. Like how mad can people really be at that point, you know? Yeah. And I think also Ronaldo is a different situation just because Ronaldo was not that homegrown. Like he played in Portugal as a young player, moved to Man United and then moved to Madrid where he spent most of his career, but it like, it was not like he was obligated to be there. Cause like, it was just like another stop on the development for Ronaldo in a weird way. Um, 
I've, I've always given Ronaldo credit for that, though, being that to, to take the pressure on of being you are the most expensive player in the world. Now go win. And doing that, uh, like, at he didn't really do that at United. He kind of grew up at United and then right. did that at Madrid. But doing that at Madrid for a long time, battling, not, like, running to the league where the guy was, like, I think that's great. But right. um, But, yeah, I think that's a great – conversation of soccer um i think that even the ufc conversation was fascinating for me as someone who doesn't know as much about it and brian first and foremost i really appreciate you coming on and bringing that new angle of expertise that we didn't have previously on the podcast i've never thrown a punch in my life like thank you sir <laughs> but um like we said i appreciate you having here uh is there anything you want to plug and think absolutely about not if you don't not, plug it for you uh no, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. Just thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, uh, for producing me, both of you guys. And uh, yeah, thank you. Brian's, Brian's being humble. And uh, save, save, <laughs> uh, save. I'm definitely going to save 15% at Geico with uh, <laughs> the, code the promo code Shula Jones. Thank you. Oh, yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. I appreciate that. that. Don't mess with those other lame brands like a progressive or a general. <laughs> What was it Liberty Bibbity? Yeah. <laughs> Liberty Mutual. <laughs> but um, hopefully Liberty's not listening and revoke our sponsor. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can. Uh, Brian won't do it, so I'll do it. You can find Brian on the Woo Wee Podcast. Uh, great podcast. Shout out all you guys. Um, Isaiah, you got anything you need to plug or social medias? Uh, nah, just. If you guys make it to the end of this podcast and you're hearing me now, um, you guys should just go follow our twitter page it's gonna start getting active um we're gonna do a lot more on there and if we get get our following you know on twitter which is um really good and vocal um that'd be fun it's shoeless joe's pod um on twitter that's it fluff my stuff i don't need to i don't need to do anything for me well isaiah got to one of them um follow us on twitter for this podcast at shoeless joe's pod you can follow me at DJ Smoothie Seventeen, um, and as usual, my sports blog, smoothiesports.home.blog. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate you guys continue tuning in. Um, but for real, like Isaiah said, follow that Twitter. Like, if there's anything you want us to talk about, any you want to hear our thoughts on something else off pod, like we're always open to that. Like we we'd love that actually. Um, any so- new guests? Any new guests? God, please God, <laughs> new guests. <laughs> Um, and also, I'd like to change my NBA Finals prediction to the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> I also come back throughout the course of this podcast. I don't, dude, I don't even know what happened, but I looked up after it was like, I looked up at one point and it was 32-32, and I was very confused. How- uh, uh, I've been watching. There's just like three-pointers going in the hoop. Uh, well, anyway, we're going to go catch the rest of this game. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Shooing nobly. To come rolls and tell me to come So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son She said the lift doesn't work, run up the stairs and come And if you don't come quick, you're not gonna know that's one So I grab a bunch of rolls and that's